The best practice for dealing with fraud is to prevent it from ever happening. This is Forensically Speaking, where host Jonathan Marks will help you understand the forensic side of compliance so you can move from detection to prevention in your compliance program. Here's your host, Jonathan Marks. Hello, my name is Jonathan Marks, and this is Forensically Speaking. Today, we're going to be talking about crisis management. Crisis management can be defined as the process by which a business or other organization deals with a sudden emergency situation. So when I was younger, I was a lifeguard. And when I was on duty, we had what was called red ball drills. And the red ball drills were unannounced uh, simulations of an emergency. And we had to use all of our skills and training in order to you know, deal with whatever situation we were put into. And they were a great way to assess whether the training that we had worked, whether we were actually paying attention. Um, and uh, it provided management with the right feedback in order to you know, shape and modify what we were doing in order to be effective in mitigating risks at our facility. Now, translating that in today's business environment, you know, organizations of all types face a variety of threats to their operations. Some risks can be planned for, monitored, and mitigated, but other high-impact, hard-to-predict events are occurring more often. I've been around some horrific corporate or organizational events or crises, and I will say when the heat gets turned up, the executive leadership team sometimes, as my mother says, melts like butter in a hot pan. So, you know, when people are faced with crisis situations, and these are real, you know, heavy-duty situations, we'll talk about some of them in a moment, they react differently. That's human nature. That's human behavior. And until you see what people are going to react like, it's, 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 it, it can be really eye-opening. And some people are just not meant to be part of a crisis management team. And again, that's important to know uh, before a crisis actually occurs. So crisis readiness has taken on an increased importance and urgency for boards and management teams uh, today, especially since you know, obviously, you know, if we talk about cyber threats or cybersecurity, you know, it's not an if but when situation. So, I mean, that's one thing. I mean, the, the way the world is changing, the environment that we're living in, and I'll get into some of that. I mean, everything's really changing. So, you know, there there's a lot of situations where an organization could be in where, you know, crisis management can come into play. You know, thanks to social media, the speed of which the news of a crisis, whether accurate or inaccurate, really doesn't matter, can spread as literally reduced to seconds or minutes. Again, making the organization's ability to respond quickly and effectively highly critical. So, you know, these things need to be looked at and planned for. If we do a root cause analysis of the numerous crises that I mentioned or, or, or others, they have revealed that boards, the board's involvement and oversight is often questioned when an organization's response is deemed to have fallen short. So, you know, the buck stops here. They're looking at the board. They're saying, hey, what did they do? How are they involved? And they start questioning things. This is particularly true in cases where early warning signs were ignored or the crisis was attributable to the organization's culture or uh, lack of culture or tone from the top or lack of tone from the top. While not every crisis certainly causes harm, an organization's response can result in major business risks, major business risks, or, you know, an organization's response can result in reducing major business risks. So, again, important to really understand that. Boards. Key message or my truth cocktail to you, if you're a board member, you are overconfident and underprepared. You think that you got it covered. Odds are you probably don't. And that's no fault of your own. In addition, many boards need to realize that crisis prevention, again, here's sort of another weakness or a shortfall, 
uh, really relates to enterprise risk or enterprise-wide risk management. And that is integral to crisis readiness and response. Why? Because we can't boil the ocean. We can't prepare for every single crisis, but we can look at our risks and prepare accordingly. So, you know, just to summarize real quick, boards are generally not truly crisis ready. And there's a real opportunity there to train them and have them be part of uh, real red ball drills and crisis simulations that are impactful. Um, When we talk about crisis prevention, I wanted to go back to talking about risks and risk management. As risk management involves identifying and anticipating the likelihood, impact, and speed of, of onset of risk events that could become crises or crises, Um, and implementing programs and a system of controls to prevent and respond to such risk events and mitigate their impact is critical. So again, risk really is driving what we should be doing from a crisis planning perspective. We need to understand those risks, you know, how they're going to impact the likelihood and their impact and their potential speed of onset and, you know, plan accordingly. When it comes to risk assessments, I've said this before, risk assessments should be be reviewed um, at the speed or introduction of risks into the ecosystem and at the cadence of the organization, not at a prescribed period. So if something changes, look at the risk assessment, make the right changes, make sure that those changes are properly considered and or vetted and that when if and with if and when there's a change that's made, it's properly communicated to others. Crisis readiness and response. Um, The key role for the board is to work with management to develop and and approve a robust crisis response plan tailored to the company's specific risk profile. Well, you don't have a risk profile unless you do a risk assessment. Um, And periodically engage in disaster rehearsal exercises or red ball exercises. Test and refresh the response plan as appropriate. Um, These exercises will test and hopefully help you refresh the response plan as appropriate. A pivotal component of any crisis response plan is the communication protocol. Again, a pivotal component of any crisis response plan is the communication protocol, which should address the following questions at a minimum. Who gets notified? For an example, the board, trusted advisors, regulators, customers, shareholders, and the like. What channels will be used to communicate internally and externally? How Will the organization monitor and manage reputational issues, particularly via social media? Just planning is not enough. You have to practice. There has to be regular um, uh, uh, simulations or rehearsal exercises or red ball drills so that you can actually uh, analyze how things are coming together and how things are managed from a crisis perspective. Even the best prepared organizations will experience a crisis at some point, and there's rarely a perfect response. But not, not planning and not having any type of response could be really disastrous. So to avoid disaster and avoid mismanagement of, situation, of, of the situation, it will be directly linked to your crisis prevention efforts, crisis response plan, proper training of the crisis team, and leadership to effectively manage the crisis. So my solution to you today is practice, practice, practice. Regularly conduct red ball drills or disaster rehearsal exercises or crisis management simulations, whatever you wind up calling them, that are impactful and help reveal blind spots that can be remediated and ultimately prepare you and your team for not if, but when something ugly happens. Um, And when something ugly happens, let's talk about that. 
the something ugly could be an alleged fraud or an ethics violation, a serious ethics violation. It could be a whistleblower retaliation claim, workplace violence or harassment or hazing if you're a college and university, regulatory enforcement actions, mergers and acquisitions that have failed or are failing or any disputes related thereto, product safety and recalls, data security breaches, cyber breaches, intellectual property thefts that come out to light, operational failures that people start to know about, loss of key leadership or staff, supply chain interruptions and distress, natural disasters, and, you know, obviously terrorism. So those are some of the triggering events. If you're going to prepare an overall crisis management program, there are five key pillars that you really need to look at. That's being prepared, being, being able to respond, containing the situation, recovering, and then remediating. And, you know, certainly there are a lot of opportunities out there, you know, to make these programs, you know, more meaningful. Not every organization has the exact same needs or the exact same risks. So every organization is a little bit different. And that's why, you know, when you're building your crisis management plan and you're looking at all the data that's out there and you're looking at all the advice, you know, when you pull it all together, you really do need to test it. You need to test it real time. You need to test it where people don't know that it's coming. You know, again, those red ball drills. Um, and if I think if you do that, you know, if something does happen, you will be better prepared. You will be able to respond effectively and hopefully build the trust and confidence with those key stakeholders that the company, hey, has this and they're able to contain it in the appropriate manner. And look, you know, um, hopefully you'll be able to recover. And then after you recover, you go back and kind of break everything down again and remediate things. So again, you know, I kind of softly wove in the five key pillars there at the end, but I think you get it. My name's Jonathan Marks, and this is Forensically Speaking. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Forensically Speaking podcast. Make sure to subscribe and help us spread the word by leaving a review. 